Summit Medical Group is the largest physician-owned multi-specialty medical group in New Jersey. Now helping you live well and stay well with SMG Radio. Here's your host, Melanie Cole. Cervical cancer is one of the most common cancers in women worldwide. Most cervical cancer, however, is caused by a virus called human papillomavirus, or HPV. An HPV test recently was approved by U.S. health officials as an effective way to check for cervical cancer. My guest today is Dr. Kara Goldman. She specializes in obstetrics and gynecology and women's health at Summit Medical Group. Welcome to the show, Dr. Goldman. So tell us about cervical cancer. What's going on in the world of cervical cancer today? So in the United States, um, the rate of cervical cancer is about six and a half cases per 100,000 women. Uh, This is in contrast to what we see worldwide, where it is a more significant um, cause of cancer. So thankfully, in the United States, where women generally have good access to medical care and cervical cancer screening, it is not one of the most worrisome cancers for women. So um, then oh, we we hear about that link to HPV, human papillomavirus. What is that and how are they linked? Right. So almost all cervical cancers um, are HPV associated. So HPV is human papillomavirus. Um, it is the virus that causes abnormal cells to grow on the cervix. So it changes our normal cervical cells. And if left untreated or undetected, this can progress over a long period of time into a cancer. Okay, so how is this virus contracted? HPV is probably the most common sexually transmitted infection. Um, It is not one that we hear about all that much. We talk a lot about chlamydia and gonorrhea and HIV, and unfortunately, um, we're not talking a lot about HPV. Um, It is sexually transmitted, so for most men, they are asymptomatic. For HPV, there are several different strains of viruses, and they can mostly be categorized into low-risk strains, and those are the strains that cause genital warts, um, and high-risk strains. So we're talking here about the high-risk strains, and those are the ones that can cause cervical cancer. For men with high-risk strains of HPV, they are largely asymptomatic, and the only way that they would know that they have it is if a previous partner has tested positive for HPV and then told them. Okay, so the tests for HPV, are we just automatically given tests, and at what age? Right, so screening guidelines over the last few years have uh, changed a lot for cervical cancer. Um, We start screening young women when they are 21 years of age. Um, There are very few exceptions for testing sooner, um, but by and large, we're talking about 21-year-olds. Between, we've stratified um, our screening by age, so women between the ages of 21 and 29 are screened differently from women who are 30 and older. So in the younger women, 21 to 29, they are screened with a PAP screen, um, which is uh, an examination of the cells or the cytology of the cells, how they appear on a microscope um, every three years. If they test, if their cells do appear abnormal, that specimen is reflexed to check for an HPV virus. This is in contrast to women over the age of 30 who um, are screened every three to five years with a PAP and an HPV test. So we call that co-testing. And depending on results of tests will dictate additional screening or testing needed. And that screening is assuming that 
a patient has not had um, abnormal pap smears previously. So now the pap smear was a standard of care. Everybody got one every year, just like a mammogram. But now if you test negative for HPV, how often are you giving pap smears, if at all? Right. So what I said before, in the younger patients, every three years, so they're not getting, they're not having HPV testing unless there's a cellular abnormality. Um, and in our patients 30 and older, uh, the screening is every, if you're doing with HPV testing, it's every, and they're both negative, um, and they have previously negative pap smears, and screening is every five years. And we're also not screening women over the age of 65. Again, with the rare exception, um, women over the ages of 65 with a previous history of normal PAP and HPV testing um, over the past 10 years do not need to be screened. Well, now our children are getting three doses of the HPV vaccine as recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics, Dr. Goldman. And so what do you see Gardasil doing for your practice in the coming years? Women in their 20s that got the vaccine or in another 10 years women who have gotten this vaccine, what do you see changing? Yeah, so fortunately, the um, upcoming sort of young women have mostly been vaccinated. Um, I should mention that there are three types of uh, cervical or HPV vaccines. There's the Cervarix vaccine, which covers two high-risk strains of HPV. Um, There's Gardasil 4, which is going to cover for those low-risk or genital wart viruses. and the two oncogenic or high-risk strains of HPV. And recently, we are now offering Gardasil 9, which is going to cover against those two low-risk strains, and then seven of the most high-risk strains. Um, so what we're seeing, fortunately, is that there's been uh, a very a decrease in the amount of cervical cancers that we're detecting, um, and also a decrease in the ab- number of abnormal pap smears. So how long, how late in someone's life can they get this vaccine? If you've already turned 25, is it then too late? It's not. Actually, you can get it through the age of 26. So I tell my patients, you're 26 and a half and you are not yet 27 years old, you can complete the series. Um, It takes six months to complete a series. So depending on which um, vaccine you're doing, Cervarix is slightly different, but um, they're all completed within six months. So you would, the first vaccine is, Um, followed up by a second one at two months, and then the booster at six months. So you can get it up through age 26. So before you were age 27, it will be covered. It should be covered by most insurance carriers. Dr. Goldman, the oropharyngeal cancers, throat and tongue, people hear about head and neck cancers these days. Is HPV affecting those cancers as well? And can it, is the vaccine going to help prevent some of those as well as cervical cancer? Yeah, that's actually a really good point to mention. And I will uh, also mention that in addition to the um, oral pharyngeal head and neck cancers, we're also seeing anal cancers. Um, And so men who participate in high-risk behavior um, might want to consider and talk to their physicians about doing an anal pap smear. Um, Yes, head and neck cancers are associated with HPV. A lot of throat cancers have been, um, and this is transmitted by the oral genital route. So my hope, and I I haven't seen the data on this um, as of yet, I don't know that there is any great data at this point um, that we're going to decrease all of our HPV-associated cancers as we encourage our young patients, male and female, to be completely vaccinated. 
Now, just for a second, speak about transmission, because oral HPV or genital, are these the same, and can they be transmitted to each other if people engage in oral sexual relations? Can you then trans, you know, translate the virus that way, too? Yes, absolutely. So um, this is sexually transmitted virus, so um, it is transmitted through mucous membranes, so that's either you know, through male-female partners, male-to-male partners, oral sex, um, it can be transmitted. The good news about um, HPV is that for most young, healthy women who eat a well-rounded diet, don't smoke cigarettes, um, most HPV viruses are going to resolve spontaneously in about two years. So for the majority of people, this is going to be nothing. It's going to go away, and they're never going to have to worry about it again. Um, But unfortunately, there are a few cases um, or in a few instances when the virus is one of the much higher risk strains. We tend to think of that as being HPV-16 and virus-18, that they can be a little more virulent and harder to um, get rid of. In just the last few minutes, and what great information, Dr. Goldman. Give your best advice about cervical cancers, the question that all women have about whether they should get their pap smears or not, and the HPV virus and vaccine, and why they should come to Summit Medical Group for their care. Right. So I think one of the most common questions I get is, I've already ha- I'm, tw- I'm 24 years old. I've already had an abnormal pap smear. Why should I get Gardasil? Um, and I think the reason is because um, we typically don't know what virus caused your abnormal pap smear. So only do we, we only test for certain viruses in uh, a few instances. So because we don't know what virus you may have been exposed to, getting the vaccine will help prevent a new infection. Screening should begin, like we said, at age 21. Um, it's a conversation with your doctor about how you want to handle screening. Um, some patients are uncomfortable feeling like they don't need a PAP for five years, um, and that's a conversation that you can have with your physician. So I think here at Summit Medical Group, we, um, of course, are on top of all the most up-to-date and recent guidelines, um, but we also individualize our care. And so if there is a concern that you have with your um, abnormal pap smears or normal pap smears, that's really a conversation to have with your physician, and we can hopefully individualize some treatment for you. Thank you so much. What great information. You're listening to SMG Radio. And for more information, you can go to summitmedicalgroup.com. That's summitmedicalgroup.com. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.